Hello, my friend. Welcome to Something for Everybody, the podcast to help you feel more loved and connected through story sharing. My name is Aaron Mashpitz, and my mission is to help you realize your potential through conversations and deep insights so you can make your prior best your new baseline. Today's episode is a solo episode where I take a deep dive into the six powerful psychological effects that make our brain tick. This is extremely important because you must become aware of how the brain works so that we can supercharge our personal development and become the absolute best version of ourselves. Today's episode is brought to you by Amare. Amare is the mental wellness company and I use their products every single day. So click the link in the show notes, use code everybody at checkout for $10 off your entire order. And if you'd like to receive a short email from me every Friday, feel free to sign up for my weekly newsletter at AaronMashbits.com. Now on to episode 140 of the podcast. Welcome to Something for Everybody. My name is Aaron Mashpitz, and today we are covering the six powerful, very powerful psychological effects that explain how our brains tick. Understanding the psychology behind why we tick might help us to tick even better, right? If you're looking for a way to really supercharge your personal development, understanding the psychology behind our actions is an essential first step. Fortunately, knowing is half the battle. That's why becoming aware or recognizing that one growth is even possible, that change is even possible, or that you need to make a change or you could potentially make a change that would benefit your overall well-being. That's why if you take it in a three-step process, the first step is awareness, the second step is acceptance, and the third step is action, right? You have to become aware, recognize, understand, know, and then accept as is, be very honest and realistic about your current situation or your current starting point. And then the third very important crucial step is moving into action daily consistent action um, with small steps so you can actually manage moving forward so you're making your habits and your actions too small to fail so again knowing is very important understanding how our psychology ticks and the psychology behind our actions is a beautiful initial step becoming aware moving into acceptance and then moving into action and so The following six psychological facts are just a a guide. They're a guide to your self-improvement based on some of the brain's sort of default settings. So this is really sort of your backstage pass to how our brain functions and how we can best avoid common misconceptions. So right now I'm just going to say what all six psychological effects are and then 
um, explain what each one is based on my understanding, based on the literature that I'm reading, and then sort of break it down to the best of my ability as we go through these together, as I start to understand these things, we're working through them together. I am no expert, I'm just someone who cares and is trying to best understand myself and human flourishing so I can improve, just like you. We're all on the journey together, and we're all always on the journey together. So the six psychological effects that explain our brains. One, the pratfall effect. Two, the Pygmalion effect. Three, the paradox of choice. Four, the bystander effect. Five, the spotlight effect. And six, the focusing effect. So those are the six. Now we're going to dive into one at a time. Number one, the pratfall effect. Your likability will increase if you aren't perfect. How amazing is that? We have this need, this constant chase for perfection when really a human being is flawed, makes mistakes, and is definitely not perfect. A perfect person has never existed and you and I will not be the first ones. And according to this psychological effect, the pratfall effect, your likability will increase if you aren't perfect. So don't worry about tripping or falling in front of your partner, your boyfriend, your friend, your family. Doing so will only make them like you more. <clears throat> so it's important to admit your setbacks and your obstacles to your friends and family, right? Your humanness and that connection, that common humanity that we're pulling on will just endear you to them even more. It's sort of like the mistakes attract charm as a result of the pratfall effect. Those who never make mistakes are perceived as less likable than those who commit the occasional faux pas. Messing up, messing up draws people closer to you, makes you more human. Perfection creates a distance, an unattractive air of invincibility. Those of us with flaws win out every time. <clears throat> this theory was tested by psychologist Elliot Arozon. In his test, he asked participants to listen to recordings of people answering a quiz. Select recordings included the sound of a person knocking over a cup of coffee. When participants were asked to rate the quizzers on likability, the coffee spill group came out on top. So this is a beautiful, a beautiful reminder and a real psychological effect and part of our brain's default settings that it serves as a good reminder. It's okay to be fallible. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fall down. It's okay to have setbacks. Those are what make you a beautiful, complex, wonderful human being. Occasional mistakes are not only acceptable, they may turn out to be beneficial. And so think about that when you're striving to be your absolute best self. You have to think about it as a spiraling up, right? There's a trajectory up, there's a down, but then there's that spiraling back up because you're making this sort of constant deliberate progress to aim to show up as the best version of yourself. And through those mistakes, through those setbacks, through those obstacles, through those challenges, you are becoming the best version of you and not claiming to be perfect or never make a mistake or never screw up, but you're claiming to have that common humanity which pulls and connects everyone together on a much, much deeper level. So that's the pratfall effect. Again, the pratfall effect 
is your likability will increase if you aren't perfect. So keep moving forward, keep striving, keep being, trying to be the best version of you and fall down, fall down, fall down, but keep getting back up one foot in front of the other. You got this. Number two, the Pagmillion effect. Greater expectations drive greater performance. This is very, very interesting. The crux of this psychological phenomenon is the concept of self-fulfilling prophecy. If you believe something is true of yourself, eventually it will be. So it's basically saying, act like the person that you wish to become. If you want to be a person who makes healthy choices, if you want to be the person who sticks to their routines, who does the things they say they're going to do, then act like that person. Act like that person. If you believe something is true of yourself, eventually it will be. But it takes a consistent, deliberate, persistent effort to get there. From my understanding, this is the Pagmillion effect. <clears throat> so Rosenthal... Um, Let's see. Yeah. The first test of the Pygmalion effect was performed by psychologist Robert Rosenthal and occurred in an elementary school classroom with first and second grade students. And Rosenthal summarized his findings with this quote. One person expects of another can come to serve as a self-fulfilling prophecy. The effect was dubbed Pygmalion, named after Ovid Tale of the sculptor who falls in love with one of his statues. Key takeaway here is the applications for the Pygmalion effect can have benefits both for personal development and leadership. Individually, you can challenge yourself with more difficult goals and tasks in effort to rise to meet the challenge. So you want to be this type of person who does these type of things. Well, tell yourself, I am the type of person who acts this way. Then reinforce that behavior. That's like me. That's like me. That's like me. That's like me to go to the gym. That's like me to do push-ups. That's like me to have a digital Sabbath. That's like me to go on a run. That's like me to meditate, right? So you're rising to meet the challenge because you're, 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 um, you're believing that you are that next version or that best version of yourself. And as you're, as a leader, when you expect great things of your team, you may see improved performance in them. You expect great things in them, just like you expect great things from yourself, but it's okay. Just like the previous effect, if you fall short of that, you get back up you support each other, you go all in on the connections, on the relationships, and you move forward together. That's sort of the application here for the Pagmillion effect to the best of my understanding. <clears throat> like I said earlier, I'm sort of trying to understand and go through these things together with you guys. And when I talk about them out loud, it helps me understand them better. It helps me study them better. So that's sort of the point of this podcast is to learn out loud and to fail in public and to move through that with the best grace and understanding that I can and taking you guys along the journey with me. So thank you if you're still here listening or watching. Number three, the paradox of choice. The more choices we have, the less likely we are to be content with our decision. <sighs> have you ever felt buyer's remorse? If so, you've seen the paradox of choice in effect. Even if our ultimate decision is clearly correct, is even if our ultimate decision is clearly correct, when faced with many choices, we are less likely to be happy with what we choose. No doubt this is familiar to you. When I eat out, I often second guess my menu choices. 
When you buy a new car, you might toss and turn over the decision. A wealth of choices makes finding contentment that much harder. To prove this paradox, psychologists Mark Lepper and Sheena Linger conduct an experiment at a supermarket jam. At a gourmet food store, Lepper and Linger set out to display a high-quality jams and taste samples. In one test, they offered six varieties. Another test, they offered 24. The, the results of the study showed that 30% of people exposed to the smaller selection ended up purchasing a jar of jam. Only 3% of the people exposed to the larger selection purchased jam. Wow, very interesting. So a key takeaway is a simple solution to the paradox of choice. Give yourself fewer options. That's really hard nowadays, right? There's so many options. There's so many different things to choose from. There's so many different things that are grabbing our attention at a constant level and basis. That's why we have to put constraints, boundaries, emotional parameters around these things. And that's why we have to get really, really, really concrete and serious about our purpose, our fulfillment, and our joy, and how we gain meaning in life, and to go and move through that in a very focused direction. Because then we're getting pulled in by all of these things, and then when you start to get more notoriety, more influence, more impact, a lot of more things come in your direction. But if you've already put those guardrails on, and you've shined a bright light to where you want to go, what's important to you, and what matters most, then you're going to be able to stay in those guardrails and be able to sort of remove this psychological effect of the paradox of choice. And then you're going to be able to be content and fulfilled and grateful for what you have. And you know the choice you made was yours because you made it through your core values, through your personal philosophy and aiming at this higher, larger, overarching goal that means something to you. And so that's the key takeaway. Give yourself fewer options. Focus on what makes you happy and what gives you meaning to your life. That's very important. Next one. I think this is number four. The bystander effect. The more people who see someone in need, the less likely that person is to receive help. I mean, this is similar to the paradox of choice. It just happens to be called the bystander effect and with people, right? The more people who see someone in need, the less likely that person is to receive help. The parable of the Good Samaritan illustrates this effect clearly. So too the many tragic events throughout history. Researchers call it a confusion of responsibility. Where individuals feel less responsibility for the outcome of an event when others are around. In fact, the probability of, health, of help is inversely related to the number of people present. If you're ever to need assistance, don't go looking for it in a crowd. Um... The bystander effect was shown in a study by social psychologists Bib Latney and John Darley. The key takeaway is be very specific when you need help. Ask someone for help by name so as to remove the confusion of responsibility. This is especially counterintuitive since we naturally assume saying to a larger group to help us will encourage more people to jump in when really the opposite is the case. To avoid frustration, pick out one person only every time. And, and then you can think about it in a way when we're, when we're asking for help. Maybe, maybe we're struggling with our mental health and we need a little extra support or something's going on in our life. Send that specific request for help to 
the people you love and trust the most because they are the most likely to respond in a way that's supportive, that's kind, that's nurturing. And then you can nurture each other together through that relationship because we know that asking for help uh, is a sign of strength, especially when we need it most, especially when maybe our brain and our body is telling us that we're, we're a burden and no one cares for us. That's not true. That's not true. It, people do care for you. People do love for love you. You are not a burden. And so when we're asking for help, so there's no confusion of responsibility, ask that person directly, tell them that you need help, tell them why you're struggling, and they will be willing to, to sit in the dark with you, to care for you, to love you, to support you as you move through your own actions to be your own best friend, to be the superhero that you need in that moment with them as sort of this guiding light, this someone holding your hand. And so that's a key takeaway for me when talking about the bystander effect. I understand the effect is it's talking about sort of a large group of people, but if we break it down a little bit, we can get uh, into that area that I was just speaking about. Next one, the spotlight effect. Your mistakes are not noticed as much as you think. The perception of our being under constant scrutiny is merely in our own minds and the paranoia and self-doubt that we feel each time we make a mistake does not truly reflect reality. According to the spotlight effect, people aren't paying attention at our moments of failure nearly as much as we think. To test the hypothesis, to test the spotlight effect, a team of psychologists at Cornell asked a group of test subjects to wear an embarrassing t-shirt and estimate how many people had noticed what they were wearing. The estimations of test subjects were twice as high as the actual number. The estimations of the test subjects were twice as high as the actual number. It's, it goes right in line with sort of expectations, with trying to be perfect. This is our, these are our brain's default settings. It's the spotlight effect tested by social psychologists to be true. Your mistakes are not as noticed as much as you think. We beat ourselves up more than anyone else will. And so if we can be the ones to give ourselves grace, to be our own best friend, to hold our own hand, to tell ourselves it's going to be okay when we fall down, and then to pick ourselves up, to have built that mental strength, that mental capacity, because we put some time in the mental gym, in the mental fitness gym, to grow those reps and sets, and those, and to hardwire that stuff into our brain, that we are going to make mistakes, we're going to fall down, we're going to come short of our expectations, we're going to do all of these things in our aim to become the best version of ourselves. That's part of the journey. It's the hero's journey and no hero goes through a journey and reaches the epic place he's trying to reach without scars, without battle scars, without real tough battle scars, without looking at the dragon head on and facing the dragon. The hero's journey is about facing the dragon voluntarily facing the dragon, voluntarily doing the hard thing day in and day out, voluntarily taking on responsibility for our actions and our words. And when we do make mistakes, when we do fall short, we're the ones who are beating ourselves up more than anyone else. And so we have to give ourselves the grace and the kindness to then pick ourselves back up over and over and over and continually spiraling up 
and continually closing the gap and becoming the best version of ourselves and making our prior best our new baseline. And so your mistakes are not amplified by anyone else except for you. And there's different circumstances for that. Sports, you know, on a larger stage, business, Olympics, things of that nature are a bit different. But for you and I, in this moment speaking, your mistakes are not being amplified. They're not being put on the news, right? You have to give yourself the grace in those moments to realize that mistakes are a beautiful part of doing hard things. You will fall short, absolutely. You will not be perfect. But that's the beauty of it because there's progress in those moments. There's progress in the trenches. And if you keep moving, step forward, one step at a time, one tiny little small step at a time, you are doing it. You are absolutely doing it. And then reiterating, learning, iterating, growing, reflecting, transforming, evolving, growing, moving, into that thing, learning from the things that pushed you down, learning from the things that make you scared, that <clears throat> learning from the spot that you just got really comfortable in. How can you step outside of that comfort zone voluntarily? How can you face the dragon voluntarily each and every day, day in and day out? Because you will get more brave. You will get more courageous. And that's a beautiful thing to realize within ourselves. And so think about the spotlight effect, our brain's sort of default mechanism when thinking about the next time you make a mistake, right? The spotlight effect, your mistakes are not as noticed as much as you think. And then if we go up to the first one, which is the pratfall effect, your likability will increase if you aren't perfect. Those couple go hand in hand. Now, let's get to the last one. The focusing effect. The focusing effect. People place too much importance on one aspect of an event and fail to recognize other factors. Nothing in life is as important. Nothing in life is as important as you think it is while you are thinking about it. <laughs> That's an interesting quote. How great is the difference between the difference in mood between someone who earns high income and someone who earns lower income? The difference does exist, but is one-third less significant than most people expect. This illustrates the focusing effect. In the income example, the factor of income as it relates to mood overshadows the myriad of other circumstances at play. Very interesting. So to combat this effect, it is important to remember to keep perspective. To keep perspective. Look at, look at problems from, from many different angles, weigh several factors before making a decision. The downfall really of the focusing effect is that it can lead to mistakes in predicting future outcomes. If you can avoid sort of this, this, uh, this tunnel vision or at least acknowledge that it may exist, you can improve your chances of making a sound choice. And then we think about, oh, the paradox of choice as well. All these psychological effects intertwine and play with each other in terms of uh, our self-development, our growth, our life, our brain, all of these things. Um, and so that's really important to think about. So think about have you, have you ever experienced some of these psychological effects before? If so, how, how well did you deal with overcoming them? Um, please let me know how you did. I, I'd love to hear about how you 
uh, combat them, how you dealt with them, have, if you dealt with them, do you notice dealing with them? All of these things are, are really important because as we spoke about at the top of this episode, we want to think about awareness, recognize, right? We're recognizing that um, we have six, at least six psychological effects that explain, explain how our brains tick. And so knowing is half the battle, understanding that and being able to supercharge your personal development through understanding the psychology behind our actions, right? That's why that's the first step of awareness. And then we accept it as is. These psychological facts are true, are true. They're true psychological facts. And I tried to break them down as best I could with my understanding. But I urge you then to, to see these and hear these six psychological effects and facts and then try to apply them into your own life. Try to see them happening. Try to notice when they are happening. How you, can you combat them? How can, you, how can they best serve you in your journey? That's really what we're after. And so we think about awareness, right? Knowing recognizing, moving to accepting, being honest about and realistic about our current situation, and then moving into action. So digesting all of this information, trying to understand it the best we possibly can, and then moving into action to best combat these things and best use these things in a way that will supercharge our growth, our development, and our just overall sense and perception of the world and how other people interact with the world, how we interact with the world and how we can best move forward, again, to become the absolute best version of ourselves, whatever that may look like for you, your life, your circumstances and your environment. So that's all I have for you today. Thank you for tuning in. Those, again, were the six powerful psychological effects that explain how our brains tick. Thank you, and I will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to that episode. I'm really interested to know which one of those six psychological effects stood out to you the most, which was most surprising. What was your biggest takeaway from that episode. And if you enjoyed that episode, please share it with a friend because the podcast grows through people like you sharing it with people like you. And also, it would be brilliant if you could throw us a rating or a review on Spotify or Apple. But the best way to support this podcast is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Aaron Mashvitz is the best way to support me, this podcast, and you are loved. So head over there. The link is in the show notes and see which tier fits best for you. I appreciate, I really appreciate your support. But most importantly, most importantly, please take good care of yourselves and others. And I'll see you next time. Cheers and lots of love.